The first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, reading from verses 1 to 7. It will be on the screen behind or in your church Bible. It's on page 693. Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. Morning. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through to 25. It's on page 965 and over on to 966 of the Pew Bibles. The birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
when Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're well this morning. Um, I'm going to start with a question for you all. I want you to think about this really deeply. The question's this. It's really important. What do you want this year for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Now, I know with nine days to go, if you're anything like me, the grey matter in the brain's turning and you're running through a list of people that you're still yet to buy for. But put that to one side. What about you? What do you want for Christmas. Forget the boxes and socks, the smellies and the scarves. If you could have anything at all this Christmas, think big, dream dreams, what would it be? Well, I guess the answer to that lies in your circumstances. Perhaps for someone here this morning, it's for Mr. Wright or Miss Wright to walk into your life. Maybe for you, it's a golden opportunity to come your way, a chance to prove yourself, a chance to make your stamp on the world. Perhaps for you it would be conceiving a child and starting a family, or maybe it might be something like embracing a lost loved one just one more time this Christmas. Often what we want for Christmas and what we get for Christmas are two very different things. Well, hopefully, as we work our way through Isaiah, we're going to see that Isaiah has a very unique point of view which changes everything. And I hope we see it this morning. The living God tells us what we'll get if we open the present that he gives. And friends, it couldn't be more glorious. Whatever you do, Isaiah says, don't miss it. Well, um, hopefully a picture's going to come up on the screen. And um, I'm sure many of you would have heard of the 70-year-old woman and her son uh, and daughter who recently went to an auction house in Ryslip. They bought this mid-18th century vase. Uh, It's a 1740, I'm definitely going to say this wrong, Kinlong vase to this auction house. Apparently the next lot after this vase went for 55 quid, but this vase went for 53.1 million pounds. It was her brother's, um, and it was, uh, there's some mystery surrounding how this woman, uh, how this man came in possession of this vase, but this family had to compose themselves as in under two minutes the auction lot had gone up to over £20 million. And the phone calls kept coming in. Her and her family had to step outside for a breath of fresh air. It was a bit intense in the auction house. It had been sat, you see, on her brother's side on a rickety bookshelf insured for 800 quid. Can you believe it? On a rickety bookshelf. Well, I've bought myself in a vase this morning, and I'm hoping that this is my ticket out of the Church of England and to an itinerant ministry around the Bahamas and the Seychelles. I'm not sure if I'm going to have such luck. But can you imagine this guy, 53.1 million pounds, on a rickety bookshelf, and he never knew the value of it. He missed it. Do you know, Christmas can be like that for so many people. They can miss it. 
Well, what's the present that could be so easily missed, Isaiah? What's the incalculable news of this Christmas? If you've not got your Bible open, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Look at it with me. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You see, Christmas is the biggest light show that the world has ever seen. It's a light which deals with the darkness of death. Here's where I'm going this morning. This is what I'm trying to prove. What I'm trying to persuade you of Christmas is far more valuable to you and to me than a 53.1 million pound vase. And if you don't believe me, ask me that in 10,000 years' time. Because there is a present under the tree this year, and it's got your name on it. Maybe you've already caught a glimpse of it. Maybe you've caught a glimpse of it, but you've never managed to grasp it and unwrap it for yourselves. Well, what is this present? What's this light pointing to? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, not just to his parents, but to us. The Bible's solution to death is the birth of a child. Now you might be saying, thinking to yourself, okay, I know that children can help people feel better in the face of death. And that's certainly an experience that my family shared. My grandfather died a few years ago, and my son and his wife had just given birth uh, to their first child. And, that, and he helped us to get through uh, the grief process of losing my granddad. But not, every, but, but not even children can change death. And we're right for that objection, aren't we? But if we never look beyond the baby in the manger, then Christmas will never give us a lasting solution. If you never look beyond the baby and the feel-good factor for a few days, the turkey and tinsel, uh, the stockings and the stuffing, the time with your friends, the week off from work, if you look no further, then you'll miss it. Here's the point. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. In the Bible, time and time again, darkness speaks of God's judgment and light speaks of God's powerful presence with his people. Isaiah writes, chapter 9, verse 1, of a time to come in the future where there'll be no more gloom and there'll be no more distress. You see, Isaiah was writing in the 8th century BC of distressing times, 733 BC. The Assyrian army, commanded by this king called Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria, brutally and ruthlessly made his way through the northern kingdom of Israel, destroying everything in his path, wiping them out. For a period of 10 years, there was this devastation going through the northern kingdom of Israel. Cities, towns, and peoples were pulverized and no more. And the people living in the land were in distress as they're on the edge of their nerves thinking to themselves, is it going to be us next? We're next. As the raids just kept coming in the land. You see, there was a darkness, a never-ending darkness that these people experienced. Oppression, violence, refugee crisis to the max, homelessness, bottomless hurt and grief that comes from being in a war-torn nation. 
And that's not exclusive to Isaiah's day or Jesus' day. It's around today, isn't it? People feel the pain and hurt and grief that war causes. But God allowed his people back then to go through with this. Why? Well, it was God's judgment on this people. They'd rejected God, you see. God had become little more than a footnote in their lives. Even the kings of Israel had slammed the door in God's face and they worshipped idols instead of the living God. And now these people are asking the question, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, Is there anyone out there who cares? And you know, there was another darkness looming over these people. Isaiah wrote to a self-help generation. They sought wisdom from any and every source they could, uh, except from God. They'd consult mediums and spiritists. And that darkness of ignorance still persists today, doesn't it? As people turn to all kinds of things. They might turn to technology or scientists or politicians or commentators. For some, it could even be celebrities and pop stars. God forbid people look anywhere and everywhere except in God's words and at God's wisdom. And some have a real confidence in this false wisdom that comes from the world, but sooner or later that confidence fades, and as wisdom runs out, the question comes, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there anyone who cares? And it's into that dark backdrop of judgment and evil and ignorance that Isaiah writes of a Christmas that he never saw. J.R.R. Tolkien, the famous writer of The Hobbit and The, and the Lord of the Rings. Uh, speaking of this light to come into the world, he wrote, he is a light for when all other lights go out. When you've tried every other way of living, when you've exhausted every other way that promises the world but fails to deliver, Isaiah says, here's the light. And that light turns out to be no ordinary child turns out to be the Lord Jesus. And when he steps on the scene, boy, he doesn't disappoint, does he? He's incredible. He said, I am the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. Jesus said, come and follow me, and you'll be the light of the world too. That's incredible, isn't it? That's amazing. That's our first picture for this year of mission, that we're a lighthouse shining out this light into our community. My son Tyler and I were sat on the sofa on Wednesday night. We had the Bible open. We were sat there reading separately but together. And we read through Colossians chapter 1. We read these words of the Apostle Paul, who wrote, Give thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Do we catch that? Jesus qualifies us. We don't come with our own credentials. He gives us the credentials we need to come into his kingdom of light. He takes us from darkness, the place of judgment and evil and oppression, and he brings us into the light. Now, I wonder if you can just picture the eyebrows raised in Isaiah's time as this was first heard. The country's facing invasion and ruin. And Isaiah says, don't worry, a baby's going to be born. 
and you're not alone. We're all thinking it. Well, that just sounds flat out weird. And the people of Isaiah's time probably thought the same as well until they understood who this child really would be. In the Hebrew culture, the name really helps us to understand the significance of the person. Name sum up or what a person would be. So I decided this week to go on the internet to find out what the name Adam means. I went to two of the most reliable places I could go to, Wikipedia and the Urban Dictionary. And Wikipedia says that Adam means mankind. So when you've seen me, you've seen all of humanity. As if I needed anything else to get my head bigger, the Urban Dictionary said this, Adam, someone who's amazing without knowing it, someone who's so trustworthy and reliable, you'd be lucky to have him in your life. He's one of the most handsome guys you'll ever see in your life, no matter what he says. Well, no wonder Adam's caused so much trouble in the world. Now, my parents are sat at the back. They're no-nonsense um, oveners who live on the Isle of Wight. And my dad's here, kind of listening to me blow my own trumpet. I'm sure he's going to be the first to give me what for over lunch. But Isaiah himself, he's a down-to-earth southerner as well. And he doesn't pull any punches. Look at verse 6 of what he says of this boy. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His name sums up his character perfectly. Wonderful counsellor. That speaks of wisdom, not psychiatry. This isn't saying that Jesus is going to be a terrific shrink when he grows up. And if the government's going to be on his shoulders for all of eternity, well, we're going to want him to be wise. And you need wisdom to lead well. You need wisdom to lead well. That's a real encouragement for us, isn't it? To pray for our world leaders, particularly the leaders of this country this week, after this week. We need to pray for the wisdom of leaders in families and our church leaders, particularly that they would be steering us through this year of mission wisely. He'll be called Mighty God. If God's kingdom is going to grow, as it speaks of in verse 3, if true freedom is going to be found, if the people are to be joyful once again and increase, then mighty God needs to deliver on this one. If death and sorrow are to be no more, if every tear will truly be wiped away from your face, well, mighty God alone can do that. We need the kind of power that's seen in someone calming the storm at a word, healing the sick, raising the dead, and pushing back the forces of darkness. Uh, if any human life's going to be turned around, it needs that kind of power, doesn't it? Perhaps there are real battles that you're facing in your life at the moment, and you've said to yourself, that's it, that's the last time I'm going to do that thing. Things are going to be different from now on. Well, for deep change to occur in any one of our lives, well, that's going to take mighty God to pull that off for us. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father. You see, this coming child will bring, into, will bring into focus the character of the fatherhood of God, clearer than any 4K ultra-high definition TV that you could buy. And it's going to be beautiful. And it's a fatherhood that doesn't impose itself on its children. Rather, he sacrifices himself for them instead. Do you know, there are 99 names of Allah in the Quran, but not one of them is father. There was a poster of a girl when I was at Vicar Factory that I walked past every single day on my way to chapel. 
And there was a brief testimony written next to the side of her, her face, and it said this. It said, a lot of us have grown up without dads. And when we find out that God has adopted us as our father, it changes our lives. He is God to the fatherless and to the poor and to the vulnerable. And here's the key. He's everlasting. He's everlasting. Prince of peace. Well, what peace, we might ask, as we look at the world, we look at Gaza and Afghanistan and Syria. We look at the lack of peace around us, the lack of my peace last night. Marmion Road was really, really noisy last night. I hardly got any sleep. The Bible says that God's not the problem to peace. We're the problem. So what's the message that we've got for this year of mission? It's that God has made the ultimate move towards us to establish peace. Peace with us vertically with God. Peace in our own hearts. We can enjoy knowing God's peace. And that can be shown outwardly through the Prince of Peace in us loving other people. There was another name that was given. You probably spotted it in the New Testament in Matthew 1.21. Mary will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. For he saves his people from their sins. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, and it's found in Jesus. Is there anyone out there who really cares? Yeah, it's found in Jesus. And Isaiah looks right through history to the very end of history and says, here's the one who dies to bring you and I peace. Well, I know I'm in injury time, but flick over the page with me to Isaiah chapter 11. Do please look at this, because this is where Isaiah is going. This is where we're going if we're trusting in Jesus. Let's see the peace that God's promised. Isaiah 11 and verse 6. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Isn't that glorious? Could that be true this Christmas? Could that be what Christmas is all about? That great light delivered for us and for our loved ones. And if you want to see it, the only place that you can find it is in the Lord Jesus and who he really is. And if you're not yet sure about who Jesus really is, well, we're starting an Alpha course on the 16th of January. And if you'd like more information about that, see Arlene over there or see Neil uh, and get yourself on that course. Isaiah says, don't miss it. Don't miss it this Christmas. For to us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given. Of the increase of his government and peace, it will know no end. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have won for us an eternal kingdom. Thank you for the great promise uh, made true in Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is the great light who's come into the world. Thank you for the glorious hope that your people have of a wonderful eternal kingdom in your presence where one day you'll wipe away every tear from our eye. Help us to look forward to that great present if we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Adam.
This is the God who we believe in, the one who is the wonderful counsellor.